Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, today's show is about one of my favorite topics, and in many ways, it's about an oxymoron. It's about growing younger or aging backwards. Now, this dream of delaying the aging process and, in fact, reversing the aging practice is probably as old as civilization itself. It goes back to the Indian Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita. And we all remember the, f the famous fable of Ponce de Leon, who made his uh, search for the fountain of youth, this, this curative water that would turn old people into young people again. Historical note, Ponce de Leon was only 53 years old at the time that he went off searching for the fountain of youth. So, so today in our age when we're trying to unite science and spirituality we have two different disciplines trying to accomplish this goal of delaying the aging process. We have science which is busily looking for the youth pill and then we have really the spiritualists who are finding and looking for some connection between the mind and the body, some inter-spiritual force that will help us reverse the aging process. So on this show, I thought, well, who better to have as a guest to talk about aging backwards than Jackie Silver, who is the author of a book entitled Aging Backwards, Secret to Staying Young. She is the founder and president of a company of the same name, Aging Backwards, LLC. She's also the author of a new book entitled Think Yourself Slim, Healthy, and Young, Unleash the Hidden Power of the Mind-Body Connection. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me and for that beautiful introduction. Well, as I said, I can think of nobody better to have on the show than somebody who is head of a company called Aging Backwards. Now, you are focused to a large degree on not only sort of the latest maybe uh, medicine or creams and modern ointments, etc., but, but, but you're focused on this mind-body connection. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the mind-body connection has to do with aging in your mind? Well, thank you for asking. And first I want to say that even though we are talking about beyond science and all of that, but actually the mind-body connection is really science, okay? It's a combination of science and beyond science. So first of all, what, what people who are listening might be surprised to know is that as we speak, scientists in Germany are working on a system that will allow people to steer a car 
by simply using the power of thought. Can you believe that? That yeah, that that is that is really something else. And I think it's important here to sort of lay a foundation for this mind body issue. There's something in philosophy for uh, that's called dualism. And the dualism is really this belief that the mind is separate from the body. Or put differently, that the body and the mind exist on these different planes. And the mind can have no effect on the body. Now, that happens to be what modern science, at least one field of one, one type of modern science, which would be materialism, believes that that in fact our thoughts have no impact over the body and so by by looking at the potential connection between mind and the body this is where exciting things are happening right Jackie this this is there's a lot of stuff going on out there with the mind body connection and and for example I know you've done some some work with the placebo effect. Why don't you talk about the placebo effect a little bit? Well, just to clarify for the audience listening is that I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I am friends with a lot of the people in this business, and I also do a lot of research, and I live this. But before I even talk about the placebo effect, I want to mention something about um, a professor at Albert Einstein College of Medicine said that scientists have wondered for a long time whether aging occurs independently in the body's various tissues, like you were alluding to a minute ago, or if it could be actively regulated by an organ in the body. And they say that it's clear from their study that many aspects of aging are controlled by the hypothalamus, and that's a part of your brain. So what they're saying is in mice, which are very similar to humans, to alter signaling within the hypothalamus can slow down the aging process and increase longevity. So that's something that they really weren't sure about because they didn't know if do memories exist in your mind only or do they exist in your cells? You know, there's so much out there about that. So, you know, getting back to the placebo effect, what does it have to do with aging? It has to do with a lot of a lot with aging because people who think they're old become old and there's a new study that proves that. What what study is that? That that sounds that sounds that sounds very interesting. Why don't you talk about that study a little bit? Well, there's a new study that was just out about maybe a couple of weeks ago, and it said that age is perception, and that's proven. And they say you're only as old as you let yourself feel. So the study showed that people who thought that they were old and frail were more likely to give up activities which could help them stay young, like socializing and, and doing exercise and by contrast people who had a positive attitude were more likely to continue taking part in the activities that helped them stay young and fit. This was a study that was done at the University of Exeter. So you know they found that people who thought and felt like they were old were acting old and frail. Well, one, of the, one of the things that that we're faced with in this field of aging backwards is something called modern culture. When you look at how we're raised, we are taught that two things are inevitable, death and taxes. Now, we know that taxes are inevitable. 
<laughs> right. We know that there's no doubt about that. I mean, I I don't I think even in heaven there's there's going to be taxes. But we're taught that death is inevitable and it's it, it's as if it is ingrained in our beings such that we sort of get on this slide and we know that that's going downward into a grave and there's nothing we could that we could do to stop it. And I think that 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 you you're putting your finger on something that I'm a big believer in which is that if we have any hope of delaying the aging process we're gonna have to change our mind right we're gonna have to address confront that that doubt barrier that's standing between us and being young well, absolutely. And I think that what happens, I think why people age, and by the way, I just want to make a comment about the taxes in heaven that's probably called karma. But anyway, um, I just, and I'm joking, okay? But I just want to make a point that I think the reason that aging happens to a lot of people, and I was just discussing this with somebody before we came on tonight, and I think what happens is that because aging is really such a slow process, I think that it happens to a lot of people because they don't notice it. They wake up one day and they're 55 years old and they say, how did I get like this? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is, it is, a, slow, it is a slow process. I, I remember a story about, and it, this probably happens a lot, but about you know, 80, 85-year-old grandmother who, who looked at herself and sh and she said something like, "Well, I still feel like a little girl inside," and and it's really it really is of all the challenges we face in science. I tell you, I think like Ponce de Leon, it's got to be the one that holds the most promise. If anybody did actually find a fountain of youth. That, uh, I, I don't think anybody would be as popular, let me put it that way. I mean, uh, anything, anything that will work, even to a small degree, is, is going to be a, a bombshell. And, and I, I personally think it all begins with belief. A couple months ago, we had Bruce Lipton on the show, who wrote, who wrote the book, The Biology of Belief. And it's very similar. It's very similar where he basically said that you are what you believe in, and and so and so this this sort of shield this sort of segues into the placebo effect, which we mentioned and and didn't drill into a little bit. But what we're saying here, I think, is that is that if there is a mind-body connection or if one is simply a, an aspect of the other, then we need to do something about controlling our minds in order to improve our bodies. And, you know, Philip, it's not just our minds, but like you alluded to earlier, it's our words. Right. And I want to mention something, because I've met Bruce Lipton, and, he, and I, I love everything that he, you know, talks about. And, and we'll, t we'll go back to the placebo effect, but I want to talk about words for a second because I have a little bit of a story about words and also want to tell the listeners about um, Dr. Emoto. Right. He's a Japanese doctor who did a study with water that he got from, the, um, from a dam in Japan. And he started with all the same water and he froze the water, but he froze it with little signs on the containers like, 
I love you and you're beautiful. And other ones said, I hate you and you're ugly. And when he put these, he, he then cut, cut into the frozen water, the ice, and he put it under the microscope. And the ones that had the signs that said, you're beautiful and I love you, were like perfect symmetrical snowflakes. And the ones that had the, the signs that said, I hate you and you're bad and you're ugly, those did not look like perfect snowflakes. They were brown and they were misshapen. And that is just from putting a handwritten sign on water that all came from the same source. So there has to be something to this. You know, I'm not making this stuff up, you know, and neither are you. Right. So, so getting back to the placebo effect. Great. That's a great story, by the way, the water story. And, and that's that, 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 uh, is it Dr. Emoto, uh, is it? Yes. He, he's in that movie, uh, What the Bleep. What's that? What the Bleep Do We Know? It's yeah, one what of the favorite movies know? of all yeah, time. And a lot of people have seen that seen that movie and I'll tell you it's things like that that have to open your mind because it just doesn't fit with our current scientific mindset but in any event why don't you continue I interrupt well, well I was just going to tell you I have kind of a story about my words having power and by the way I'm going to go out on a limb and say to you I have found the fountain of youth because I'm in my 50s and I still get asked for ID to buy wine or get into a club in New York City, okay? So, you know, when you look at pictures of me on my website, that those are not photoshopped and not retouched, and there's no special filter. But getting back to my words, well, I have I this other little some, story. Yeah, I, just, I, I just want to add something here that, that where I live in Chicago, uh, I love getting I love getting carded. You know, remember there was a period of time, what, what between about uh, 20 and 30, 30 or something where a lot of us resented being carded right and now and now we want to be carded but <laughs> but but it's but it's very deflating because here in Chicago there's signs that says that say they card anybody that looks that that looks uh, 40 or over so so you mean 40 or under 40 or under 40 under now so it's not it's not a, a great thing anymore although it to me it's always a compliment when when I'm carded. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen that frequently. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Jack. You were talking about the importance of words. Well, in New York, it's 30 and under, by the way. Wow. And also, for someone who's in their mid-50s like me, I'll take getting carded for 40 and under, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I'll, go with um, the, I'll go with the 40. Uh, and, and by the way, this is Philip Merriton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Jackie Silver of aging backwards and we're about to find out the importance of words in staying younger well yes you know there's something called fat talk it that really is the name of it and that's something that a lot of women engage in and some men where we say oh do these jeans make me look fat or you know all the negative things that women say to themselves and about themselves and men sometimes and so our words have power like we just you know I just told you about with the water experiment but right. I'll tell you an, another interesting little story I had this flat iron that somebody sent me and it was a very expensive flat iron and every time I used it I burned my forehead <laughs> um, it was probably user error but I think because probably. it was too wide for for my use and every time I used it I burned my forehead and then I cursed out the flat iron. <laughs> and do you know that in a year, 
which most, a flat iron that's very expensive like this one should last about 10 years. Right. Within a year, it just literally stopped working. I killed the flat iron with my words yeah. because I kept cursing it out, yelling at the flat iron and telling it how bad it was because I kept burning myself. Yeah. So we, I mean, even something inanimate like that. And that gets down to the fact that that inanimate flat iron, when you get down to the quantum level is still, it's atoms, which are mostly air, same as a human body. Well, well, I think all of us, you know, the thing about the flat iron story is that I think all of us have had similar episodes. For example, I think we've all had experiences with these lovely things called computers. That if you, if you, at least for me, if I uh, exude negative vibes, it thing does not work. And it's it's sort of like being being friendly with your computer or something. I mean, it, it and it, it's whether it's karma, whether it's the energy field or whatever we're going to call it. Uh, I, I think that that there is this connection. This is where this is going. There is a connection between what we are inside and what we see to be outside of us. At least that's my own belief. And and in the modern world, that is not such a strange thought because we know from modern science, as you alluded to with the particles, that really everything, according to quantum physics, is some kind of energy field. And if there is an energy field, then it is almost by definition one field in different strength areas, and therefore there should be some kind of connection between what we are and the world outside. But moving from that more cosmic description, which I just gave, to how it affects aging, you talk a lot about the importance of words, and you mentioned some negative aspects of how words could come back to ruin your flat iron. Right. Uh, and but but also positive words could have a beneficial effect, right? Absolutely. So positive words, if the negative words can have a bad, a bad effect, then the positive words can have a good effect. In fact, one of the things I do every single morning, and you know what, I don't care if people look at me or hear this and say she's vain, but I walk up to the mirror when I get in the bathroom in the morning and I say, you look younger today. You know what? It's certainly not going to make me look older to say to myself, <laughs> you look yeah. younger today. Yeah, I completely, <laughs> right? I completely And you know agree. what? I also use, um, I have an iPhone, so I have Siri. You know, Siri is the iPhone helper. Right. And I have Siri call me lucky. So whenever Siri talks to me, she calls me lucky. And the more she calls me lucky, the luckier I get. Yes. Yeah, That. That's. I, I love that. And, you know, you have to... You have to be a positive thinker to do anything great in life. I mean, it, it's sort of it's sort of like unless you believe. I mean, all the all those old truisms are old truisms because they're true. You know, <laughs> the power of positive thinking. Norman Vincent Peale, the most famous positive thinking book of all time, and all athletes, as we know, unless unless uh, Bob Beeman. The guy that uh, had a long jump of 29 feet, 
six inches or something. Uh, I think it was in the 1964 Olympics or something. You know, unless he had that belief that he can do it, he never could have done it. And and all and, and all we're saying, I think, here is that it begins with power, with 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 confidence. But I completely agree with you, Jackie, that there's a big practical side to this, which is that unless you verbalize these these affirmations, then it, then then it, the chances are it could just be locked into your head, right? I mean. It, just just thinking about something isn't going to make it true. Well, right. Thinking about something isn't going to make it true and saying something isn't going to make it true either. But the more you change your mind, the more these connections happen in your brain where they connect each other to these positive things. I don't know if you ever heard of this, Philip, but there's been many studies that show that if you're unhappy and you actually just fake a smile you can make yourself happier because something happens in your brain with the chemicals when you fake a smile that actually makes you literally happier yes yes and I I've heard that and I've tried it and it does work it does work and I tell you it takes a lot of effort though <laughs> uh, I uh, for those of us that get into those moods where you sort whether whether it's standing in line at Walmart or or being in a traffic jam where they really test that your attitude but if you could get yourself to sort of do that in other words smile or think of a happy thought it does it does have an it does have an effect and and so i i think it's important at this point for you to talk about uh what what you've called the unconscious mind now in your in your in your last book you had a very interesting discussion about the power of the unconscious mind what is what does that have to do with with this aging problem well what it has to do with is first of all the unconscious mind you have no idea what it's up to okay consciously you know everything that you're doing and thinking but your unconscious mind, you don't know what it's doing. And one of the books that I refer to in my book is called The Mind-Body Prescription by John Sarno, MD. I love that book. And it was actually that book that I read a few years ago that got me interested in the unconscious brain because he's a medical doctor and he has seen thousands of patients who he concluded that most diseases and illnesses and pain and aches and all of that stem from the unconscious brain which rages against us the unconscious brain has no sense of time as Dr. Sarno says you could have been like in your cradle and somebody leaned over your cradle with their big grown-up head and you felt small and powerless your unconscious brain could go back there right now even if you're 40 something so your unconscious brain is always up to no good when, when yeah. you don't know about it. Yeah. So what we have to do is we have to tap into this unconscious brain, talk to the unconscious brain, connect with it. And what I do is I actually talk out loud to my unconscious self. And I visualize her as like this little girl. And I, I talk to her and I assure her that everything's okay. 
And she doesn't have to be scared and she doesn't have to be angry and she doesn't have to be insecure. And when you get in touch with your unconscious brain, you can really make some good things happen. Yeah, I think that the unconscious mind is some is is one of the deep mysteries of science and but I don't think it is completely unfathomable. And by that I mean I think that part of what the unconscious mind is is sort of the sum and substance of what we've been taught by our parents, schools, society, culture, upbringing and and it's it's sort of what we're supposed to do and part of the challenge I think here is reprogramming the unconscious mind and and I I've read I've read a lot in my own writing uh, I, I I focused on you know taking control of your own self well you know what? let me let me just mention something to, to what you said was that you felt that the unconscious brain was like you know things that we've learned and 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 whatever but I want to add to that it's also our experiences not just things we've learned but everything that we've ever experienced is stored in that unconscious brain as I mentioned it doesn't have any sense of time so if you were you know very scared one day when you were five years old that could rear its ugly head at any time in your entire life and all of a sudden you know you have pain because your unconscious brain is mad at you I have a great story if you want to hear it about the unconscious brain and experiences well that's well that sounds like that that sounds like an offer I don't want to refuse so because <laughs> because let me well, put it this way whatever we can learn I'm taking advantage of having you on the show whatever we can learn about aging backwards we're gonna pick up so Let's, so, so why don't you tell us a story? Well, this story is a little bit more than you know a minute, but I think the <laughs> listeners gonna, are going to love it a lot. And that is that I told you already about the mind-body prescription by John Sarno, MD, right. and how that was my Bible. I, I love that book. And every time I would get an ache or a pain, I would start reading that book, even if I didn't pay that much attention consciously, because guess what? My unconscious was getting the message. So then I met with a friend of mine for lunch and she had gained some 20 pounds because she had lost her job and was between jobs and very stressed out, which some people stress eat, right? Right. So she found a book that she was telling me about and it was called, it's called Shrink Yourself by Roger Gould, MD. And it's a double meaning because it's shrink yourself, but it's also shrink yourself. Uh, you get what I mean. I get it. So I loved that and because I invented childhood obesity and there is a picture on my website of me at age 12 if anyone doesn't believe it but I thought to myself even though I'm my perfect size and I have been for many many years there's probably an issue or two inside my unconscious brain that's still that little obese girl so I thought I'm going to get shrink yourself and read it and fix all of my unconscious problems around that subject good good idea yes so I went to a tap dancing class <laughs> which I love to do and it's you know it's pretty strenuous for someone in their 50s but I'm very spry and I work out and dance all the time well we did all this hour of tap and I felt great and I came home and I woke up in the morning and I couldn't move hmm. I had like a knife in my back I have not had a backache 
since I first read the mind-body prescription five years ago. So the first thing I did was what everybody would do, is I blamed it on tap and said to myself, who do you think you are tap dancing in your 50s like you're some kid? (laughs) But then I suddenly remembered Dr. Sarno's book, and I said, wait a minute, this is not from tap. Something's going on with my unconscious brain. And you know what it was? Hmm. Because I was reading Shrink Yourself, some very deep and unwanted things were about to come to the surface in my unconscious brain and in my life. And my unconscious brain could not handle that. So what did she do? She gave me a backache to distract me. So you know what I had to do? I had to stop reading Shrink Yourself and start reading the mind-body prescription again. And I have never been able to go back to shrink yourself because I don't want that backache. I'm not ready for that again yet. <laughs> well, there, there's, this, is, this, is what I, this is what I get from that story. And that is, if you immerse yourself in deep negativity, it's not a good thing. And, and there are, that's one reason why I personally do not like horror movies. I mean, I, it, it just doesn't seem to have any positive impact. And, and the deeper it is, and maybe you know horror movies are entertainment, so it's superficial, but, but the deeper it is, it's, it, it, it's not a good thing. And I think over time, as we get older, and I don't necessarily mean age more, I mean get wiser, maybe I, hopefully we, we uh, put these negative things in context and we're able to deal with them better. But, but there's something about making sure every day there's something that's shining in your life. There, there, whether it's, whether it's a, a happy thought, whether, as you, I think you put this in your book, whether you listen to music, whether you dance, whether you exercise, whether you just tell jokes or whatever, it's, uh, I think it's very important to, to shine a little bit every day. And on that note, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking to Jackie Silver, an expert on staying young. And we keep going around and around on the placebo effect. And I want to talk about it because, to me, it is one of the most scientifically verified examples of the truth between the mind in the mind body connection and and I and I know that you're not a doctor I'm not a doctor either but every time I say that by the way I think of Albert Einstein who made his greatest discoveries when he was a patent clerk so <laughs> therefore let's let's talk about the placebo effect a little bit Jackie now well, go ahead yeah, go ahead. No, I was no, going to no, say. No, I was going to say. I was going to say. You. Yeah. Why don't why don't why don't you first describe what it is, and then and then maybe we could talk about a couple really good examples uh, that that have hit you as being uh, powerful examples of the of the power of the placebo. So, what is the placebo effect? So, the placebo effect, and a lot of people are familiar with this, is. It's when you, your mind believes something so much that it makes stuff happen. So the best example is you go to the doctor and you have a problem, and the doctor doesn't think that your problem is maybe something that needs real medicine. So what they do is they give you a placebo, which is a fake pill, 
And they say, this is exactly what you need to cure whatever it is you have. And lo and behold, the patient goes home. They take this placebo. And they come back next week and they say, you are so right, Doc. I feel great. Yeah. I'm cured. And so there's also a nocebo effect, which is the opposite of the placebo effect. And how that works is the doctor might say to you, now when you take this pill home, watch out for side effects. You could have heart palpitations, headaches, night sweats. You might have a stomach ache. And meanwhile, it's just a placebo and it really has zero effect. But they come back and they go, oh, I had all of those symptoms that you described, Doc. Do you have something else I can take instead? Yeah. So it just shows how the mind is so powerful that can affect the body. Yeah, and, and I, I can't help but think that if the, if the placebo effect is real, and I don't think there's any doubt that it's real, that there has to be a connection between the mind and the body. Now, just for full disclosure, my own view is that the body and the mind are the same thing. So I so I'm not I'm not holding any of my cards to my vest on this point. And so I I think that that's why there is a mind body connection. But the the placebo effect not it's it's so important in modern medicine because in order for the FDA to approve a drug, a pharmaceutical drug, the the manufacturer has to show that it's that it's more effective than a placebo, and in many cases, it's not. These 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 drugs, these pharmaceutical drugs, are not more effective than a placebo, and it's there's a lot of controversy with regard to whether certain drugs, say cholesterol lowering medicine, uh, are actually more effective than placebos, and it's a it's an extremely interesting topic. And but what it shows right now for our purposes, it shows to me a scientific connection between the mind and the body. And that's what we need in order to age backwards, right, Jackie? I mean we need well, to do that. Yes, and here's an example of how the placebo effect could enter into like aging or anti-aging. A, a beautiful woman older woman goes into a very expensive store on Fifth Avenue in New York City and she pays $400 for a fancy cream in a beautiful jar and therefore it must work. Right. So she takes it home and she puts it on and OMG, doesn't she look younger? Right. And every day she uses it and every day she looks younger and younger. But by the way, most anything that you put on your skin that's that's you know, liquid or lotion or serum or anything that's in any way hydration is going to have an immediate effect on softening the look of wrinkles. Because what's, what's wrong with wrinkles is that they're not hydrated. Hmm. So you can take any $400 cream and put it on your face and instantly you're going to look less like, you know, you have fewer wrinkles or they're not as deep. Right. But what happens is when somebody pays a lot of money, they really believe that the product that they're buying must work. Listen, I'm guilty of that, and I'll tell you what, in bug spray. Whenever I go to the store and I buy bug spray, right. I buy the most expensive bug spray because I figured that one has got to work. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, it's part of our society. I mean, why do people buy fancy French wine, 
Chateau Latour instead of Kirkland at Costco. I mean, it there there's it there part of this is a perception that that controls reality. And I think what we're talking about now that I want to emphasize for the listener is that the question is how much does perception affect reality? That's the challenge of our of our age, I think. Without I don't want to make this too too much of a grandiose statement here, but I think that is really the question. It, it is is per, does perception equal reality? Some people would say that. But but we know that from the placebo effect from from um, mind over matter, from the athlete zone, from so many common occurrences, like you're talking about with 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 the facial creams, the the we know that the perception of positive effects from a product, from a fashion, from a beer or a wine, a food, a restaurant, does does affect the reality. And, and I think that moving into this new age, which maybe is not no, new anymore, that's, that's one of our challenges is to harness that, that power of perception and, and, and make it beneficial to ourselves. So, so this, is, this, is a, this is a great, a, a really uh, great topic. And I think that folks out there might be wondering from you, Jack, and, and this is not something I typically do on the show, but because we have you here, I want to ask you, I mean, what, what do you think about all these creams and ointments? And, I mean, there's so many of them out there. Uh, would you say that, that, they're, that, that, that they're not worth it? Uh, or, or do you think it's, it's one of those placebos we all need? <laughs> well, you know what? There are a lot of creams and serums that do work. And when I say work, I mean they do what they say they do. Right. And they're just too numerous to mention. Right. So people have to do their research. You know what? Or, you know, they can go to my website and I talk about different stuff. But, but yeah, you have to... You have to know that there is some science out there and there's some just, you know, people are just putting out junk. So the person has to take control. But going back to what you were talking about a minute ago, I have another great story about, it's, it's a placebo story, okay? Great. The American Council on Exercise did a study where they followed trained runners who drank so-called super oxygenated water before their run right. but the water was actually normal tap water <laughs> but most of the athletes who drank it ran faster <laughs> because they believed that there were mineral minerals in the water that would help them perform better and some of the athletes were so impressed with the water that they even asked where they could buy it <laughs> so runners who usually completed a 5k run in more than 20 minutes improved their time by an average of two minutes and 22 seconds and in a sport that's a lot of time yeah, yeah that's a yeah that's an amazing story that's an amazing story as you were saying i was i was wondering it's too bad that all those um uh bicycle riders in the in the uh, tour de france didn't didn't try a placebo I mean, <laughs> it really it really is it really is something else and i i'm going to answer my own question which is unfair, but I'm going to do it anyways. I think 
we all need placebos. We all need certain crutches. I don't think we're at that stage of evolution where we could just get by on meditation. At least I can't. On, on meditation and positive thinking, we all we all need a little bit. And 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 I I do think that as consciousness evolves, to put it in a quote unquote cosmic sense, I think that we start getting rid of these crutches. But I don't, I don't know whether we'll ever get rid of all of them. I don't know if we'll ever get rid of all of them. I mean, we have a long way to go because because in this day and age, this mind-body connection is just becoming legitimate. I mean, it's just barely moving into that realm of legitimacy. And, and it probably isn't accepted by the orthodox scientists. You know, I don't think we should get rid of some of these crutches because we still have to live in this world, you know. But, you know, you can sculpt your brain. So that's what we're talking about is that there's a neuroscientist named Richard Davidson, Ph.D., and he says you can change your brain with experience and training. He says you can sculpt your brain just as you would sculpt your muscles if you went to the gym. Our brains are continuously being sculpted, whether we like it or not, Wittingly or unwittingly, it's called neuroplasticity. Wow. Yeah. Neuroplasticity. Yeah, well, so, so how does one sculpt their brain? What does he say about that? Well, I don't really know what he says about how you do it, but, you know, all, all the things we've been talking about, whether it's, you know, using positive words to yourself or whether it's using visualization, it's thinking the positive thoughts over and over so that, those connections are made in your brain. You know, I wasn't always like this. I was, in my younger years, you know, very impatient, sometimes angry, moody, like, like a lot of people. By the way, I recently found something incredible that I really want you and the listener to know about. And it's a book that I just discovered about two months ago, even though it's been out for about a year or so. And it's called The Healing Code. And have you ever heard of that, Philip? No, I don't think I heard of that one. Well, this is something you're definitely going to want to look into. And this is written by Alexander Lloyd, Ph.D., with Ben Johnson, M.D. So these are very, very high-level credentialed people who wrote this book. And in this book, they give you all the science background, how we use – they're using energy to heal this, the memories that live in our cells. They used to think memories lived in your brain because every time you think of a memory, you have to see a picture or hear a sound. You can't think of a memory without seeing a picture or hearing a sound or both. And so people always thought that the memories were in the brain. But they're saying in this book that actually the memories are stored in our cells. Our brain has cells and so does the rest of our body. And the memories are stored there you could have memories that are stored in your cells from your ancestors. You know, when they say, oh, she inherited that from her father, it's not just about looks or, you know, the reason that maybe a daughter acts a certain way like her father, she could have the, the cellular memories in her cells. You know, they talk about organ donors who the person who receives the donated organ sometimes takes on characteristics or likes or dislikes of the organ donor yeah. and that's because they have now have 
these cells in the organ donor's organ. Well, well, that that is a another really int- interesting facet of this whole field. But I think what, to me, the number one point here is whether those those cells, the brain cells, the muscle cells are fixed for all time and engraved in concrete or whether we have the ability to change them and I and I and I think that that's that's one of the sort of the new discoveries of biology that Bruce Lipton and others write about about how the environment has is is being shown to affect our genes ourselves which is another way of saying that we are fluid creatures. We're, Absolutely. We're in a state like we, of motion. Like I said earlier, and we talked about earlier, at the quantum level, we're all made out of those atoms that are mostly empty space. Right. And moving a step further, I have a, a short article that I, I did called uh, Body, uh, Spirit, or Machine. And, and we really, this whole thing about aging and the whole problems with it assumes that the body is a machine that's going to wear down and rust just like a car, just, just, just like your roller skates, that there's nothing you can do about it. But if the body is spirit, or, I, or I'll be conservative, partly spirit, if it's partly in control of the mind, then we have to do the best we can to master the mind, the spirit, uh, rewire the brain in order to do a better job of controlling the body. Now, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Jackie Silver, the founder of Aging Backwards, LLC. And we're going to now move to Jackie's tips on how to age backwards. Because, Jackie, I, I think from talking to you and reading your book that you believe you are aging backwards. I really do believe I'm aging backwards. And, you know, some people might think that that's like wishful thinking. Right. But guess what? I make it happen. And how do I do that? People always ask me. That's why I started my company, Aging Backwards, because people have always come to me and said, what on earth do you do that makes you look so young? And it's not just about looking young, because if you see me like at the gym, in these very hard, I take samurai sword class, okay? <laughs> you so, know, you see so, me in the gym so with these So in other words, 20- you do not want to be... <laughs> sort of in a dark alley with you, right? Because, because, because a samurai sword, I don't think there's any defense against that, but I, I'm sorry I interrupted. Yeah, so, okay. you know, I'm in this class with these 25-year-olds, and I am keeping up just as much as they are. You know, there's in New York, the subway steps are very steep. I run up those subway steps like I'm a teenage girl, <laughs> and I feel as if I'm a teenage girl. I look extremely much younger than my physical chronological age, and I have just told myself that I am staying young forever. One of the things I do that people might, you know, they could do at home that they might find interesting is a number of years ago, I did a search online 
of what do cells look like and what do molecules look like and what do atoms look like and what do telomeres look like. Now, people might not know what a telomere is. On the end of your DNA are these little end caps like an aglet on a shoelace and they're called telomeres and what happens is as we age, not me, of course. <laughs> no, of course not. The ends of the telomeres start to unravel. Like if, if the aglet fell off your shoelace and it started to unravel. And the, the telomeres get shorter and shorter. And that's how people age. So what I did was I looked up online, what do all these things look like? So that I have a picture in my mind. So I can really, really concentrate on it. And I... I go into my meditation, and I'm not formally trained in any kind of meditation, just something that I taught myself and that I do. And I go into my meditative state, and especially like right before you fall asleep, that kind of semi-trance state, right. and I visualize my cells, and I visualize them being perfect, and I visualize my molecules, and they're perfect. And my atoms are perfect and my telomeres are long and tightly knit up at the ends. And I tell myself and I visualize myself that I'm literally aging backwards, that I am younger every single day at the cellular level, at the molecular level, at the atomic level, and at the quantum level. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds like it can't hurt. I mean, I, I think that that's a really good piece of advice and but I also I think that it's important to emphasize that that sitting on a couch and meditating about getting younger isn't isn't the cure isn't the way to do it either right I mean it's not the only way I mean you can't just sit there and eat bonbons all day and expect <laughs> stuff to happen and I say that in my book so I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that yeah but it's it's a combination of things and what I always say is the combination of small steps Right. that add up to big results. Right. And listen, you know what? Anyone who's listening can do this. And anyone who's listening at any age can start becoming younger from day to day. But what's really effective is if you're young already and you're listening, is to start now and don't get any older. Yeah. See, that's really kind of what I did, is that I never got any older. There's a picture of me somewhere on out in the universe of me at age 25 and me at age 50 and I really don't look very much different than I did at 25 and the reason is because I never wanted to get any older yeah well I think that 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 is that's a that's a dream that all of us have and that that I think is is something that is different too about our modern world at least the western world where so many people hold hold this this dream inside of them. Nobody wants to get older. I mean, and and I I think we have to change what we mean by aging. I mean, because there's two ways to to look at it. One way is aging means deterioration. It means wearing down. Another way is is the old famous saying where you get wiser you're more experienced you've evolved into a better creature see i i like that trajectory where we do change with time but we get better so so i think you know aging 
aging has to be changed. The whole concept has to be changed. And and I and unfortunately, Jackie, I think that it's it it's going to take a critical mass sort of movement to really to to really affect aging on a on a deeper level. I th- and I think having you know people like you that are confident in in this and making it happen are really important because because you become like leaders in breaking down these barriers we have you know to me that big barrier being the people you know the person sitting across from you saying oh you're oh you're silly of course everyone gets old and dies you know i mean that that's the classic doubt that we all face yeah but you know what i know a lot of people because i'm in this business a lot of very brilliant scientists and doctors who are working on the so-called cure for aging because aging does not necessarily have to happen and by the way for for just for the listener I want to also clarify something because a lot of times some people like to say well well that's so shallow so what if you look old or you know whatever it isn't really just about looking old okay yes I want to stay young and I want to look young but I also want to be able to run up those subway steps I also want to be here for my son who's in his 20s when he's in his 50s and 60s and 70s, okay? Right. And I also don't want to be in a nursing home when when I'm in my later years. So, yes, it may sound a little bit shallow at first when people listen to it, when I talk about face creams or, you know, staying young and looking pretty and having shiny hair, but the bigger agenda is we can live a lot healthier later into life. Yeah, and I, I think that that is it's so important. And one of the th- one of the things, and I've been saying this a lot lately on the show, but one of the things I'm trying to do on this show is to underscore the fact that science doesn't have it all figured out, or put differently, and more specifically, that the findings of such things like quantum theory have not infiltrated the thought processes of the modern world or even science specifically that quantum theory says that we are all energy now that's sort of a simplistic way to put it but quantum theory says that the root of reality are not things operating independently of what we are that consciousness has a effect on the physical world and and lo and behold the body is part of the physical world and so it's a matter of to me overcoming this cultural prejudice and 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 the doubt that is ingrained in our unconsciousness that is going to it's going to pay dividends and and again isn't it true Jackie that we're seeing people living longer right now i mean i just oh absolutely I just, the I just, average age is totally Risen I mean, even since 1960. I mean, it's it's. I just saw something. Uh, it's probably by some insurance company about retirement, but it's something like you know by 2020, 30 percent of the people will be living to 100. It's it, and I've I've completely butchered the statistics, but my point <laughs> being that right now we're seeing we're seeing it, and it's and obviously medical care is part of it, but I think that this this inner this inner drive we all have to live longer, to be younger, longer, 
to uh, to to forestall the deterioration process is having an effect. I think our spirit is sort of sort of bursting bursting out and trying to live. So so at the end here, uh, Jackie, I think it, it might help. Just uh, you've talked a little bit about about your website. Why don't you just tell people how to get in touch with you? And, and a little bit about uh, what you're up to in the next year or so. Well, thank you. My website is agingbackwards.com, and there's all kinds of contact information. And then my newest book is called How to Think Yourself, Slim, Healthy, and Young, Unleash Your Hidden Power of the Mind-Body Connection. And um, like we said, I wrote that book because I really, really feel that I am aging backwards. And you know, anyone can try to say whatever they want, but I know deep down what's going on with me and I'm the only one who knows <laughs> and I'm and I'm sharing with everybody how to do that and how to stay younger longer so there's lots of great articles and you know there, there's lots of beauty articles yes because guess what looking your best makes you feel good it's all connected and I and I thank you for that and I just want to tie this together here at the end because as Jackie said, and I think as I've been trying to say, that this whole sort of uh, growing movement, this, this sort of exposed interest in staying younger longer is consistent with many of the spiritual themes throughout history. We talk a lot on this show about about. Uh, whether we're really spiritual beings having a physical experience as opposed to physical beings who have these spiritual experiences. Well, if we're spiritual beings first, then it's a matter of us coming to realize that fact and coming to better control the, the, the beings that we are and can be. And I hope that the genie uh, is out that that the that more and more people will understand and appreciate that there is truth in what Jackie is saying because I think as the momentum builds up we're going to have more of this group think something else Jackie you talk about you know this this sort of critical mass yeah the collective consciousness right the collective consciousness where where we where we start sort of building up some momentum so once again, Jackie, thank you for your time. Uh, this is really where I think science and spirituality meet and, and have as real, uh, real concrete consequences for all of us. Again, this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Jackie, thank you very much for your time. And, and remember, uh, we, sh we should all be devoting a lot of effort to aging backwards. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.